This is Digital Marketing Fastlane. This podcast will show you how to build, launch, grow, and scale a widely successful online business. Listen to real conversations with proven practical strategies and success stories. You're going to learn how to generate more traffic, more sales, more profit, and customer lifetime value for your online store. Coming to you from the online marketing experts at Boy Media, here's your host, Kevin Urrutia. Hey everybody, it's Kevin Rutia here, founder of Voy Media and on Digital Marketing Fastlane. I have a very special guest today, Dean Newland. Hey Dean, how's it going? Hey, excellent Kevin. Good to see you again, buddy. Dean has a podcast as well. I'll be on it in a few weeks. So Dean, what's your podcast again? Business of Intuition. It's actually airing. I'm not sure this is going to air beforehand, but it's airing on the 2nd of February, but people could always go to our website to, to find it or all the, all the other places that you would normally go. That's how we connected and then we got to chatting. Maybe tell our listeners a little about yourself and kind of your background. How far you want to go back? <laughs> I saw that you were an actor. What were you sort of thinking at that time, maybe? Where did that lead you to? Back in those days, I mean, theater and acting and directing and certainly writing was a big part of my life. This was back in way, way back, late 80s, early 90s, you know, so I'm really yeah. dating myself. I think that's when I was born. I think you graduated. Yeah, thank you very way. much. Yeah, right <laughs> your father, right? Right about when you were still in diapers, I was going into graduate school. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. What I learned about being an actor and a director and a writer was a tremendous amount of ability to self-reflect, kind of understand what makes me tick. And in so doing, through the characters that you have to portray, you understand what motivation is. And so it's not a textbook understanding about motivation. Hey, read Daniel Pink and you can go into all of that or you can read any other number of resources. But this was like, now we have to put on the coat. You got to really be a person who is motivated to do something and understanding human dynamics. And theater was a great boot camp for me. I thought it was going to be something I would do for a long period of time. What I ended up realizing is that I took to teaching even more so than I did to acting. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it scared the living bejesus out of me because I thought, I'm not supposed to be a teacher. I'm supposed to be an actor. I'm supposed to make this my career. But eventually what happened after some events in a short-term marriage and working in other places, I was able to very fortunately go through a year-long coaching program because I was still interested in this self-exploration and understanding how human dynamics work. I needed it in work situations to be able to motivate people. So after that coaching program, which lasted about a year. And this was back in the days when coaching was not popular, considered to be an athletic endeavor. I was once on this radio show, this gal said, okay, Dean, so uh, thanks for being on our radio show. What professional sports teams do you coach? And I went, wait a minute, I don't coach athletes, I coach business people. So that's what got the ball rolling Mm. was this coaching practice that got me into being an entrepreneur. And it was a huge risk. I had no family members that knew how to do this. But I'm really, really glad that I did because they kept growing and building and oh, expanding yeah. in my growth. That's kind of what brought me into this business. And we're now on our 28th year doing pretty well. You know, we've been around yeah. and we've worked locally, nationally, internationally. We've done a lot of work with Fortune 5 companies and nonprofits and universities. And we got a solid, strong team. We're expanding, if I can believe it, even in this day and yeah. age with COVID. So pretty quick question to what could be a very long, long answer. <laughs> you were doing acting back then. And if you think about it now, a lot of people, I'm not sure how many people are like, Oh, I want to go into acting or theater. But if you think about kind of in the world that we live in now, those skills that you've had or learned are so important because everything now is really about acting, theater, podcasting, learning how to yeah. speak, learning how to 
talk, being on camera is something that for me, my parents, oh, I never want to be on camera. But now kids are just grow up on camera. They look natural on camera. And just two weeks ago, I was on recording a course for a company. My social media person, Paula, she's just like, Kevin, you're talking like this is normal. But then once you sit down and you have all the lights on you, you clam up. You got to just <laughs> chill. I never knew that's when you had to learn. Basically, I'm a youth lover going on YouTube and searching how to act. You got to relax. Wilson, my co-founder, he saw the video. That's not you. That's a different person. Now everybody grows up on camera, which is so crazy to think about. It sets the currency of communication these days. I mean, you know yeah. more about this than I do with your company, but executives in the baby boomer era are just not used to it. And they're yep. now because of COVID and being locked down, they're beginning to do their own little mini TED talk. There's a CEO yeah. that does a Todd talk that we work with and he sends it off to the people in his organization and to the public. It is a medium that we have to pay attention to. You guys know this, you guys are so yeah. creative what you do. You have to be able to get into the medium of the day and the medium of the day is video and is doing this sort of stuff. And even with COVID and being on Zoom calls or WebEx calls, it is almost the closest you will get to being on film because yep. you are in a sense having to see yourself sometimes yeah. and see the other people in these little boxes. I think that now we're slowly getting the acumen up to about yeah. how we can behave in this rather weird disconnected <laughs> environment. The webcam is right in the middle, but is that where it should be in the world that we're at or should it be somewhere else? And honestly, the biggest thing that gets me is sometimes when you look at yourself, it's reversed like a mirror and other yes. times it's not. I hate that way I look. It's a very psychological thing. But anyways, obviously going back to the executive coaching, how were you getting your first few customers from people listening? And I think you mentioned radio. Obviously, was like that something that you were doing before? Radio, newspaper ads, is that sort of how stuff was done? Up until recently, the way we found clients is the way we found clients for many, many years was yeah. really just through relationships. We were talking before we hit the record button was I was telling a story about a guy that I was keeping in touch with for two years and, he, and then he became a client. It's relationships. It's that interpersonal high touch connection that you have with somebody letting them know what you're about in the context of how you can be of use to them. The brand is not about me so much. It's about more about being of service. I want to give service even if I'm not paid for it because eventually it's going to come back to yep. me. I just sort of feel that way. And if it doesn't, that's fine. You just pay it forward. But I always want to do something for somebody, whether it turns into business or not. And that's how the business grew. It isn't until just recently, like in the last mm -hmm. year, that we started really getting our marketing together, our assets mm -hmm. together, and getting better at videos and business cards and all that kind of stuff. In fact, I just got a huge box full of stuff that came today that we're going to give off to clients. And then we'll start doing pay-per-click ads and all that. That's the first time in 28, 29 years yeah. we've ever done any advertising. And, and we're long overdue. But how we started, how I started was just one-on-one, -on -one, knowing people, sitting down with them, a lot of coffees, and getting yeah. what they're about, making it about them. And then I will share down the road what we can do to maybe to help them out. But I never start off talking about myself. I always yeah. try to figure out about the other person. That's so important too, for people to know how you can help them. Because I think that's in general, at least for us with marketing, people always know what's in it for me. Everybody always thinks about themselves first. You need to at least appeal to them. I, at least for me, when I think about people, I'm like, okay, I know this person here. He can help me if I need to raise a company. And it's so important to know what those type of friends are and people can do for you because that's how you're thinking about it. I know a great iOS developer. If I need him, I know, hey, he's an iOS developer. 
I need a great web designer. Crazy how we categorize people. So it's important for someone else to know how can you help them that yes. way when in that case they need it. It's very interesting because that's how people introduce themselves. This is my friend, Tom. He's a web designer. Your job defines who you are, but I guess yeah. that's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I told you what I do. People always ask me, how do you introduce yourself? I don't even know sometimes. It's like, I don't know. I do podcasting. Depending on the audience. You've got billions of bits of information coming at us every day. It's kind of like going yeah. out into a snowstorm and you have all those little pieces of snow coming at yeah. your head. So attention is so hard to get right now when we have so much being asked of us. And so it, then it becomes, then why do I pay attention to you versus somebody yeah. else? And that's not even just social media. That's not even just mm -hmm. the news. That's just everywhere we go. We're always being bombarded with pay attention to me, pay attention to me, whether it's an ad, whether it's a tweet, whether whatever it is. Yep. And so yep. then what cuts through that? And mm -hmm. I think one of the things that cut through that is authenticity is that if you can speak from the heart, if you can speak as a human being to somebody else and draw that connection, all of a sudden your present moment experience with them becomes something that's unlike what they're getting with anybody else. And now all of a sudden like, oh, I feel great being around Kevin. Kevin's such an authentic guy and I feel like myself and I can explore myself with him. I wanna work with him, not just because he can do something for me, but because I like hanging with the guy. That's when business starts getting fun. I know I have a lot of friends where I'm just, let's just work together because it's so fun to just beat it around. Okay, cool. Let's go get food after because we can talk yeah. about something random, right? I'm curious to know when you were sort of starting this journey, obviously you mentioned earlier that you didn't know anybody that, how did you start? I think at least for a lot of people, they get overwhelmed by, do I need an LLC? Did you think about all that stuff in the beginning or was it, I'm just going to go, what were you feeling? Just talking to my son about this. He wants to start a little business. And I was telling him that I made a lot of mistakes and I still do, but in the very, very beginning, I remember it was all about just simply getting the sale. It was about yeah. getting the next client. I worked out LLCs and S-Corps and C-Corps and all that kind of stuff happened in my bookkeeping and QuickBooks. The advice I always gave these people when I was working with smaller businesses was know what you're really good at. What's your sweet spot? What is that recipe that makes you sing? It's sort of like the hedgehog concept you hear about in Good to Great. What is the stuff that you do really, really well that you love to do? And I really hone that, get to know that. A lot of people start businesses just on that because they yep. love to cook. They love to do web design. They love to build cars. You name it. That's their passion. That's their expression. And so you should do that. But you also have to take a look at the business side of yep. running a business. There's accounting. There's accounts payable. There's the whole infrastructure. There's the structure of your company. All those things that some people, a lot of people say, I don't want to do that crap. Yeah. That's yeah. not what I want to do business for. And a lot of them just don't succeed because... They don't either get the help to do that side or when they do it themselves, they so resist it that they don't do it well. And I happen yep. to be one of those people that kind of like doing both. I wouldn't say that, Dean, guess what? You get to spend two days working in QuickBooks. I kind of go, Phew. I don't think that would be my thing, but I enjoy it enough to want to understand it and to be able to build a system around it and then give it to somebody else. So I think that for me, the advice was, Know your passion, do it really well, better than anybody else, but get help or learn how to do all the other parts of a business. When you bring those two together, yeah, yeah. now you've got a fighting chance. That is such great advice because even for me too, I always tell people, I like doing the sales, the talking to people, the podcasting, the video stuff. That's exciting for me. I hate doing the accounting stuff. My brother helps with a lot of the finances. So he does it all for me. He's like, Kevin, this is what we're doing. This is the accounting we're hiring. And then just today we had like a tax planning call with our accountant. And, he, and then my brother's on the call leading it. Let me know what you want Kevin to do. It's so important to find people 
that are good at what they do because the stuff that you hate, there's probably somebody out there that loves doing it. Oh my God, who loves accounting? Kids go to school for accounting. There's hundreds of accountants out there. I know. Who love this stuff. So you'll find right. those people. And there are people that not only love doing accounting, but they love being the number two to a number one. Yep. They don't have to have all the limelight. Yep. I got a person on my team who's like that. Our personalities, if you were to do sort of like one of those assessments yeah. is very, very different. But thank God for Mel because she balances out my big ideas and my social connective interests and all that. Yeah. You know, I'm the visionary. She's the one that makes it happen. She does the books. She does all the finance. In fact, I just got an email yeah. from her about our taxes today, yeah. right? Yeah. Thank God that she likes to do yeah. that. I mean, like, mm, I appreciate yeah. that. I would not be able to do that full time. And you have to surround no. yourself with people who, who do what you don't do well and then trust them to do it. I think there's a few key things there. First, I also have one person like that on my team. Literally when you were saying that, I was, I know my person on the who team. That is? That. I have Agnes on the team who does that. Any of my crazy ideas, she'll take them down, write them down for me. This is how we're going to execute. Hey, I want to hire this person. Let me go pull up the finances of the last six months and see how we can hire this person. The key thing here, you need to trust them and empower them to do the thing. A lot of first-time founders that I talk to, I'm the only one that can look at my finances. I'm the only one that can manage. You need to trust somebody or else you're never gonna grow. You need to give people access to stuff, bank account. I don't wanna be paying contractors every single time. I need someone that I can trust that's gonna be going right. to my bank account and saying, right. I'm paying them. And yes, everybody hears horror stories of how someone's stolen, but that's so rare. And you cannot build a company without trust that everybody in the company wants to be better. You need to trust these people on your team. It's a great point, Kevin. And when you asked me about big mistakes earlier before we started this conversation, your point about trust is really well taken. The trust that you have in other people, because that's the way you grow and scale. And it's the community you want to surround yourself with. It feels good when you're around people you can trust and they like it as well. On the other hand, or in addition to that, I should say, is you have to trust yourself. And what I mean by that is sometimes you need to, I'm going to maybe do a little segue plug for the podcast that I do called yeah. The Business of Intuition. But there are times when your intuition may tell you that something doesn't feel right in your business and you have to follow it. I've had some experiences, and I think any business person yeah. has, when they didn't want the conflict and yet their intuition told you something is afoot, something doesn't feel right. And then later it blows up in your face. I had something that happened like that about two and a half years ago. It was massive. We were able to survive it. We got some new people on board. That person had to be let go. But it was because I wanted to keep the peace. Don't necessarily love jumping into conflict and telling somebody I feel something is off. My intuition was pretty strongly saying that it was. And yeah. I avoided that too long. And then I paid for it big time. Huge lesson yeah. in yeah. trusting people is also to trust yourself. You have that intuition or that feeling of God, it's usually 90% right, but now I have to tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> Would we turn off the mic here? <laughs> we wanna turn this into a little coaching session, yeah, Kevin. Yeah. There's, that comes in any shapes and sizes. People you're hiring, when you wanna like at least fire somebody, that's a big one I hear people talk about. Maybe I should, it probably are thinking about it, so maybe they're not doing great work for you. But another right. one is just hiring, yes. when you're hiring people and you get a bad vibe, just you trust your gut. I've seen mistakes, at least for us too. It's our intuition told us no, but then you're just pressured to just hire somebody because you get so busy with the business. Whatever, I'll fix it later. And then eventually that fix it later. Whoa, that was a big mistake. But it's one of those things where you have to experience it or else. I would read about this all the time in books. 
And I was like, nah. now I know why they wrote that. But I think that the onboarding and the selection of people that you just mentioned is really yeah. key. Because a lot of organizations, even small companies, big or small, doesn't matter. will look at a CV, look at a resume and go, yep. God, this is exactly what I need. And you hire on that, but you don't hire on culture. And you've got to create time. And I think that initial reaction and the initial relationship building that takes place between you and that potential employee yep. is so important. Set the tone. Spend some time with each other. There was one guy that I was working with a long time ago over in Seattle, Washington, and he was telling me a story about a radio show that he yeah. was working for. And he said, my interview process was, of course, I had my CV and he was going to yeah. be interviewing for the director of sales. He was brought into a cocktail party with all of the major people in the company, including yeah. the owner of the company. Hey, you're going to hang out, meet everybody, yeah. grab a little drink if you want, grab some finger food. So he goes around and he meets all these people and he goes, okay, you've been here an hour. It's now it's time for you to leave. And so he left and then yeah. everybody kind of pulled together over a glass of wine or whatever. And they talked about him as he was gone. Yeah. How did you feel? How did he act around you in a relaxed state? They made the decision after that, not on his yeah. resume. I thought that was a really unique way to be able to assess a person's personality and the fit. And yep. it turned out to be, he was a star performer in part because yeah. he was a good fit. So fit is huge. A lot of times we're like, oh, it's so fluffy, but it's so important to have fit with your other employees too, because if not, they just are not going to work well together. And then that just hurts the company culture and the yep. whole ethos of the company. And I've seen that happen before too. We hire, we have great team members. And then you hire somebody that's kind of always a little bit negative. That sort of negativity permutates to everybody else. I'm just, why is everybody yep. feeling this way out of, some, out of nowhere? Maybe it's because it's one person that we recently added that's always being negative. <laughs> Subtle things influence other people in your company. And sometimes you don't want that. We want to be positive. We want to be open to ideas, open to trying things. If that's the culture you want, then you should be thinking about people like that too. And if that's right. not what you want, then maybe you should find other people that are kind of like you. For us, it was very bad. We're just like, this is not what we want. We need to be thinking about why is this person being like this? And it's probably just in our culturally good fit for our company at the moment. We work with companies on and we do it as well. If you have a marriage, if you're getting married to somebody, you kind of create this implicit agreement around what is this marriage about? There's certain things that you might say to each other as you stand before family and friends and God and all that. It's in a sense, your version of a company's list of yeah. guiding principles. So if you can create that list, what does this really mean? What is this culture that we may not have now, but we want to have? What are we yeah. moving toward? Because if we're going to really do right by our clients, and if we're all about some sort of growth, whether it's in advertising no matter what it is, we're trying to advance people in the experience of being in relationship with each other, then what do we need to do ourselves in order to walk the talk, to be the product of the product? And I was always surprised. I was drove me crazy for a long time. Like I was teaching team building and I had no team. There's something way off on that. That was early on in the business. What is often important, I think, is, is really defining what that future culture looks like and then work with your team on how do we then raise the bar of our behavior with each other to be able to match that. And yeah. there's going to be conflict. There's going to be issues. Yeah. You're going to have to hold people accountable, yourself accountable. There's going to be discussions. But gosh, the outcome and the benefit is so far. I mean, why do people want to work with Tesla, right? Because it's the coolest company there is, right? Yeah. Because the leader is so visionary. We want to have that buzz around your company, my company, everybody's company, that it's not just the work that we're doing and the pay we give them, but because it's such a cool place to work. That whole environment of being a cool place to work, 
being a top company or working with people that are visionaries. I was actually listening to a blog post or article about this saying how that's why companies like Facebook and Google are having such a hard time recruiting now because everybody just wants to go work at Tesla. The culture at Facebook right now is, oh, this company sucks. So you see how that affects everything. So if your company culture is awesome to work at, you're going to attract top talent. I think what you're saying there too is so important. And it's something that myself and Wilson have been able to do is hold ourselves accountable. Okay. We have to stop doing that ourselves because we don't realize how it affects your employees. Another thing too, for us, we made it a big effort to stop calling people we work with clients to say more partners. This is a partnership to work together. And that feels we're working together and it's not, you're just working for them. We're doing this together. And also sets a tone for the partners that come on and want to sort of work with us too. Partners is a great word. We got a, our marketing company refers to their clients as members of their tribe. Yeah. It's all the words that envelop you into this relationship, this long-term relationship. Some of the people that we've been with is a partnership client relationship yeah. that become friends, hang out together. You know, we do things together because the relationship has gotten so deep over several years. It's kind of a little bit like change management. You gotta change how you operate and go from there. Final few questions. Obviously you're focusing on building your team. How are you guys just in general thinking about recruiting, finding people? I know we've talked a little bit about some stuff, but how are you actively finding people to maybe join your team or other coaches? It's always sort of subject to our situation at the time. We just brought somebody on board who is gonna be doing business development and some okay. also facilitating for us. It's always based on what the needs of the company are at the time. We are not so big that we would start hiring firms to be able to go out and find people for us. It's yeah. going to be through our own network. network yeah. And I think and we kind of like that way because we have a relationship. So partnership with a client is going to be similar to a partnership with an employee. So our methods yeah. for finding these people are going to be very similar. You need to be Gladwell in oh, Blink. I was talking yeah, about Blink. being the hub of so many other different networks. It's hard yeah. doing that when you're in these little boxes where we're not being able to go out and see each other, but develop your network, continue to be of service to people, even if you don't get anything in return. That goodwill is going to always be coming back, whether it's a new client partner, whether it's a new employee, mm -hmm. whether it's some sort of a resource you need. I really think right now we have to break out of these little boxes that we have and try to find ways to network with people by giving service to them, by giving benefits to them, whether it's a thank you note, which is something I think would be a great thing for anybody yeah. to do is do a thank you note every day to somebody that you know, yeah. an article or something, help your fellow human being out. And I think it's going to come back. One last question for you is, I saw that you were on TEDx. How was that? It was awesome and scary and delightful. And it was everything you could ever imagine. Being a person who's very familiar with being in front of groups, I approached it in such a way that was very atypical because I only had a certain amount of minutes. And I got to tell you, Kevin, it was, it yeah. was so wild. 900 people in the audience, hot lights on you. You can't see beyond about the third row. You got this big box at your feet that is blinking down how much time you have left. Oh my God. Extremely intimidating. And That's then you have this red yeah. little... <laughs> carpet that you have to stand on. So if you're a mover, you can't oh, move off really? of that. Whoa. So for me, and I ended up because I had this tight time frame, yeah. I wrote the whole damn thing out. Okay. And so I had to memorize it. And so I'm much more extemporaneous. I find a lot of my energy inspiration in the moment, having to memorize that thing and stay in this moment. And then, <laughs> yeah, oh then when God. I got out there, my mouth went so dry. It was like the Sahara desert, barely being able to get my lips around my yeah. words. It was wonderful too because it was such a long process to get there 
and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah. But if you awesome. ever want to know about public speaking and doing presentations, even if you're not going to do a TEDx talk, you're going to want to get in front of your executives or you want to get in front of a group or a community group. Watch some of those TED Talks because each TED Talk person, each speaker gets a TED Talk coach. So you work with this person over weeks and sometimes months to hone and tighten your message as well as your whole nonverbal communication. So you get a graduate level experience around presentation that really was valuable for me in many, many ways. But there's a great book about the TED Talks that was written by the guy who started the whole movement. And I would highly recommend it for people who may not ever want to be a TED Talker. That's fine. But just want to get better at public speaking, even in just a small group. This is the modern day Toastmasters now. TED has figured it out. And I think it's a great experience. I remember doing Toastmasters when I was living in California. And then I'd done speaking class in New York City for over a year and a half in front of a position before I was doing my podcast, by the way. My background is in computer science. I was very afraid to talk in front of people. I'd done improv comedy too. Improv comedy. So there was a quick little sidebar and I'll finish up here because I know you're probably running out of time. Client I was working with this large healthcare organization, which I probably cannot mention who it is, but let's just say that they're big, right? Yeah. This is a physician. No, he was an administrator working with all these physicians and he was having to give me more and more presentations. And after that, I said, what you need to do is go to an improv class. I went, What? Are you kidding me? He went to two or three improv classes and it completely changed his persona, his brand, the way he was able to communicate. His confidence went through the roof, not in a cocky way, but it just kind of came up because there's something about that safe environment where you get to express yourself and half the time it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's just fun though. These environments, safe environments, be yourself. When I was doing improv, I remember the first class, I was very stiff. But then I was talking to somebody, hey, everybody's feeling this way. Just be normal. No one's going to judge you because everybody's trying to get better. Okay, let me just relax. No one cares. Everybody's trying to live their life and just relax and chill out. And my speech coach and my public speaking coach were just, Kevin, how you look, how you sound, how you dress, you can never change that. And maybe dress you can, but how you look, you'll never change. Just get over it. People are going to like you. And people are not going to like you. And that's just life. If you can't go to an improv class, what I tell people is if you're going to do a presentation, one way you can sort of warm yourself up to the ideas and get you into the right space is just actually talk about your topic nonstop without ever taking a pause. Give yourself five minutes just to speak without ever stopping. It starts to open up the synapses in your brain and now you start going off tangents and all sorts of stuff coming your way. It gets you out of your head. Yeah. That's what you want to do is to be able to get to that place that's authentic. Dean, thanks for the chat. I'd love for you to tell our listeners where they can find you, how they can contact you, or if they want to work with you, where they can go for that as well. Well, that'd be great. Thanks a lot. Website is MFI. So that's Mary Frank Igloo, MFI Leadership.com. You can always find me on LinkedIn, but we've also got all of our podcasts, all of our information, all of our white papers, all that stuff is on the website as well. But we would obviously welcome any sort of interest uh, to connect. Dean, your podcast is called Business of Intuition. That's on every platform, right? iTunes. That's correct. A lot of podcast episodes. Remember, I'll be on it too. So if you want to listen to me talk. Dean, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. I really appreciate your time. Hey, thanks, buddy. It was really a lot of fun. 
This week's episode of Digital Marketing Fastlane was brought to you by the performance marketing experts at Voy Media. Join us again next time as we'll be bringing you more tips, techniques, and know-how to make your online business the very best that it can be. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, we'd love to hear them on Twitter at Voy Media. Thank you.